Hello and welcome to Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 30. With me tonight, on his debut return, Eric. Now I can't hear you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and of course, with me as always, Mac. Podcasting from my bunker beneath the surface of Lakewood. And the man who believes there's a ghost living in his basement. Ian. No, I'm the ghost living in my basement. Okay, well, but you still believe there's one down there, whether it's you or somebody else. Oh, okay. That's terrible. I'm, I'm throwing you under the woo bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, doing pretty good. I'm actually in very good mood. Good. I went to the, uh, I went to, I started with a new doctor this morning. Oh, my good. last doctor, my doctor that I liked left the practice. The doctor I saw last, I didn't connect with. The doctor I saw today was great. And she did an electrocardiogram. My heart is in good condition, she says. All the blood's getting where it's supposed to. Circulation's going to the arms and legs evenly the way it's supposed to. Uh, she did tell me that she wanted me to start taking a baby aspirin a day, but I'd prefer to use, I'd prefer to take the vegetarian ones rather than the ones with baby in them. You know, I clinically proven the babies work better. Yeah, but I don't know where the babies are coming from. <laughs> and Eric, what have you been up to? Uh, well, I got a job a couple weeks ago. That's why I wasn't here last time. You got a job? I got a job. Congratulations. That's nice. Uh, Time before that was, you know, President's Day, and I was at that con. Yeah. Well, I know you, you're big on celebrating President's Day. Absolutely. <laughs> Ian, what have you been up to? Uh, not much. Guys, arrived this week, I'm on vacation. Looking forward to that. Oh, that's nice. All right. And well, this weekend, I'm going to a steampunk convention. That's right. Uh, that that should be interesting. Con. Yeah. That should be fun. Nice. All right. Well, I've been fighting server fire, so. And, and, and I have other news. But, Ian, uh, what's going on with Skeptic Camp? Oh, they uh, finally announced a date, Saturday, May 7th. Uh, is it the same place as last year? No, it's, it like is not. Me? I think it, that was in the physics department up there. Uh, it's okay. somewhere else this year. But it's still up in CU Boulder. Yes. Uh, it's, let's see. You know, It says what building somewhere in here. Uh, uh, Leeds School of Business. Kibobi Building, room 210. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, so uh, the the link to the website will be in the show notes. Let's see, we have... Yeah, so I see, I mean, you, so far yeah, you, you signed up to go, but I don't see you signed up to do a talk. I have to come up with one. Oh, I have a talk. I do plan to try and come up with something, but I haven't yet. All right. So. Ian, uh, that looks like that might be a misspelling in where you read that. It looks like it's the cable, cable or cobble building at the Leeds School of, Bu- of Business. That would make more sense. The, oh, they have it spelled. On, on the, yeah. Yeah, on the Scouts Kit site, it's spelled K-O-E-B-L-B-E-L. Until you get down yeah. underneath it. And then it's yeah. Yeah, K-O-E-B-E-L. So I'll go fix that. No problem. Is this Krabappel? Let's see. All it right. has always a no cost It's all for fixed. It. All better. And uh, 110 people all together, and there's only 13. So, you know, you guys, people have time to get in there and sign up. Wow, only 36? I don't think that's right. I thought I thought we talked, the room is, okay, yeah, the room is, is bigger than that. They've only, there's only 36 spots up there, but we have room for 110. Yeah, room for 110, only 13 have signed up so far. And we have nine talks. So let's all go to Skeptic Camp. I'm planning it. Eric, it's a short drive. Come on out. <laughs> 
Anyway, all right. So moving on. Yeah, escape the escape the tsunamis hitting the west coast and come back to come back to Colorado. Uh, that was like a week ago. <laughs> Still. All right. So anyway, so uh, I we had our um, IIG meeting to establish the steering committee. And uh, we did that this weekend, and then we uh, that went. I think that went pretty well. We got a steering committee, and I am the chairman of IIG Colorado. Good for you. Yeah, you're going to make a good chairman too. I hope so. We'll see. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm excited. You know, somebody had to do it. I, I wanted to make sure this happened. So, uh, I that so that is coming to coming together. Um, you know, so it's going to be at IIGColorado.org. There's nothing there now, so I I I've got work to do. I would make a good chairman only in the sense that I inhabit chairs. There you go. I'll try and be active. I wasn't there this weekend because I had a birthday party to go to. Is that what happened? I knew Mac was working, but you, I didn't know what your excuse was. (laughs) Little guy turns eight, so. Well, very good. Yeah, so that was so that was fun. That was good. Uh, that's set up. That's moving. Um, we've got a steering committee meeting coming up, and we'll figure out our first public meeting. I've got to sign some paperwork and send that in and, uh, get that started and uh, so i'm excited about that actually i do want to throw a little something in here i tried a new restaurant on saturday that i'd never been to before that one of my co-workers advised yeah a place called Smashburger. oh yeah i've been to Smashburger. you would not believe this place it was really really good I, you've been there so. yeah I, I wouldn't i wouldn't describe it as very very good it was it was okay i would describe it as really really good oh there you go because you know i yeah, I, I've been there twice, and, you know, I have no real desire to go back. It was, you know, maybe if it, if it came up, but I wouldn't go out of my way for it. Okay. There you go. Yeah, so I, I, I put this in here. I wanted to talk about this real quick here. I, uh, you know, I, I've talked in the past about how when you go to these kind of functions where they're ta- where it's UFO people and it's different types of uh, pseudosciences and people who kind of believe these things and it's kind of these insular groups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people get up there and they're kind of rah, 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 you know, talking about how, you know, you know, we know all this and, you know. They, they bolster each other. Yeah, they kind of bolster each other and it becomes very insular. Well, uh, the school that I went to, they did a lot of trips and a lot of um, um, out-of-classroom types of experiences, you know. So it's an experiential learning type of um, setup. And for me, I, I think it was it was very good. I learned a lot of things, you know, going out. In fact, I would say that I've learned way more in my experiential learning than I have ever learned in a classroom. I, you know, and I think that that's true for most people. And so having this type of experiential learning, I do think is a good thing, but I was irritated and maybe I shouldn't be. And that's one of the reasons I bring it up is, you know, because the, you know, here, here, the the reason that they were having this is because the district is, let's say, uh, skeptical of the, um, necessity of this program. So they want to get alumni to come back and build some documentation about how these trips affected their lives to to continue the trip program. So, you know, and so I think in some ways, you know, it's okay because you're getting the alumni together and, you know, you kind of want to, you know, rah, 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 get them, you know, energized to and motivated to do this next thing that you need. And so I understand that, but it, it just sometimes it seems to me that these kinds of things, even in these kinds of um you know, where I think that, that it's something important, the language in which it's presented sometimes is still insular. And, and, and maybe not, and maybe it's okay, but I just, I, I was bothered by it because it felt like I was at a UFO conference. So they were using, they were using language that was common to a group, not necessarily something that they could 
explained to a mass of people. No, but that you know what that, that that's the other thing though is that they were the the whole point of this is to be able to explain it to other people and not yeah. but so there's so there was a piece of it to energize the internal community and then there was a, another piece of it that, that is to spread the message and so it wasn't quite as bad it what the language wasn't quite as harsh but there, I still detected just that little piece there you know uh, you know where it's like you know we know the truth types of things so, okay yeah it was probably okay. But I, but I wonder if you know, if it, 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 it because it's something I believe in. You know, then I start worrying about confirmation bias. So, I, so I might well, be overanalyzing it. Well, on the other hand, though, if you picked up something in a language that bothered you, it may be that other people are going to pick up something in the language they may not be able to put their finger on right off the bat, but. They'll be saying, "Okay, well, I don't know if I really trust this." Yeah, and that's a good point, and, and that maybe that my detecting of that is is a key piece here. That maybe the way that they're spreading the message might not quite be right, but maybe it's fine. I, you know, it's hard for me to tell when you're sitting in this situation. So yeah, I, I just thought that that was interesting, you know, because here I am caught in this in this thing that I do think is important and that I do think works. And then I'm detecting these things, you know, that, 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 you know, trigger my, uh, well, wait a second, you know, you know, instinct. So it was interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Let's, we, we've got some, <laughs> well, science news here. Tell us about mass extinction. Yeah. So I, I thought this was interesting. And so I'm really glad that Eric is here because as I was reading through this, I, I started to, um, so what this is about is that there is some, Paleontologists or paleobiologists, right, that are saying that we are in the middle of the sixth mass extinction on the planet. And they're saying, so we've been through five mass extinctions prior to this, one of them being, of course, the dinosaurs. And they go through and they, and they point out several others. And they have a couple of lines of evidence that they're looking at for this. And one of them is the amount of creatures that have become extinct in a certain time frame. And I I you know I didn't make good notes as I was going through this unfortunately, but one thing that that it kind of uh, caught me here is that they're they're talking about you know these numbers right now are not that high but they're 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 extrapolating out to to look at these numbers and make some very long term predictions. Eric, what did you think of this article? Uh, what is that? And um, it has some thoughts about the methodology. Um, I mean, yes, we know we're losing a lot of species and it happened for a while, and so. I guess bringing that back to the forefront is not a bad thing, but um, you know they say that in compared that we've lost 80 species in 500 years, and in the fossil record of mammals, and in the fossil record they're showing that you find an average extinction rate of two species per million years or something. But they didn't express these in terms of percentages, just straight up. And right now we know, I'd say like 99% of the mammals that exist on Earth, we know we've, we've documented them. The fossil record is much thinner. Uh, I'd say at any particular time, we knew less than 1% of the mammals that were around. So to compare just straighten up numbers seems kind of odd to me. That's a really, really interesting thought. Yeah. So in other words, you're saying that there may have been a lot of other species that went extinct that we don't know about them, uh, and just, we never we never, we never, never saw them. Percentage of loss as opposed to number of species lost. Because, you know. Right. So that'd be, that'd be, that, that'd be the apples to apples. Also, 500 years on a geologic scale, anything so, you know, the documented race for mass extinctions, just to compare to 500 years, you're definitely going to get larger. Did you think that this was kind of some fear-mongering? Uh, 
it is probably the case that the journalist uh, took what they were saying and and you put put and the journalist is what probably what said the on the brink of a sixth mass extinction more than the paleontologist himself. Okay. Um, I don't know. I I read through the article and I almost was was of two minds on it. On the one hand, it sounds like they're saying, okay, these mass extinctions are cyclical and they're unavoidable. And on the other hand, they're saying, but we're doing it and it's our fault. And if we don't stop it, it will happen. So they're almost on 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 one hand saying it's unavoidable, and on the other hand they're saying, but it's all our fault. Right, and, and well, we're hearing the same kind of thing with the uh, global warming. There's some evidence, there's a cycle of it, but at the same time, you know, how much of it is our fault and how much is the natural cycle? And it, it, there's the same kind of thing. There's a lot of questions we don't, we can't ever answer because we don't know how it all works. It, nature's a complicated thing, and so a lot of these things that are happening like this, they sound pretty horrific, but they're actually a regular cycle of nature. You know, every species at some point will most likely become extinct. Well, well, and everyone dies, but you don't want to be murdered either. Right. right. Right, so I, I kind of felt, I, I thought, well, the time frames that they're extrapolating out to are unrealistic. There, there's no way that, I mean, they can kind of document things and extrapolate out that way, but I thought that was kind of erroneous. I That, that statistic bothered me. Um, I, I think the percentages point is very good because I you've got to imagine that there are, millions of species that went extinct that we do that we don't have any sort of record for i mean even the record of our own lineage is spotty at best mm-hmm. and you know we know of hard for those what's that we know of and we're looking extra hard for those yeah exactly we know of a bunch of different dinosaur species but there were probably other dinosaur species that we have no idea that they even existed or we may have one piece of them and we have no idea what it goes to. Well, and we have that. We also have the, an issue where we have dinosaurs that we think are two different species that are just the adult and juvenile version, too. Right, when we talked about the Triceratops. Right. Or the Taurosaurus, or whatever they're calling it this week. Yeah, and see, that's one of the problems with the ideas of the missing link. It's like, well, do you actually expect there to be a fossil record of every single animal to ever exist? No. You're going to have missing links. To actually utilize that and say, no, that's how you can prove evolution didn't happen is the dumbest thing. It's like there are gaps. There's always going to be gaps. Futurama had a brilliant piece on the missing link. Try to remember that episode. Well, why, don't you, why don't you give us a synopsis? Uh, basically, uh, the professor is trying to shoot down some anti-evolutionists. And what about the missing links? And between these two, and it says, you mean this one? And it says, there's no link between those two. And here's this one. And, and on and on. And then, and then it cuts to like four hours later. And there's a like hundred lines of things. And okay, fine. We don't have a missing the link between this one and this one yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's the same argument. It's like, oh, hey, I see you. I see you've put something in there. Now you have two missing links every time you fill one spot. <laughs> so yeah, so so I I mean I thought it, the the article was interesting and something that we should be aware of. I I just thought the tone of the argument and uh, of the article was a little was a little shaky, and I didn't like some of the numbers that they were throwing at me. So, yeah. All right. Tell me about the Nintendo and how it could uh, uh, look for vision issues. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, Ian. So Nintendo has the 3DS out. Which is a, a to replace the a Nintendo DS, and uh, it's the same kind of thing. Two screens, and the top screen does 3D vision. Yeah, the top screen does 3D vision. Um, 
No, th- this one to me was a fun one because it goes against the idea that you know watching TV is bad for your eyes and such, which has been disproven some time ago. But you still hear it. The warning on the package for the 3DS is that children under six um, should not be uh, should not use it because it could straighten their eyes. Yet optometrists are saying no, we want them to use it because the way the screen is set up. If the child is looking at it and doesn't see the 3D vision the way you're supposed to, that could be a sign they have more serious eye problems, and we can actually start dealing with it earlier. Okay, so, but an ophthalmologist looked at this and said, well, I'm not so sure, because if they had this condition, which I can't remember the one that it is, that they see the world that way all the time anyway, so they might not actually notice that there's an issue, and they might not say anything. Well, yeah, but that's Good point. That's one of the things with any certain conditions like that. But still, they, they wouldn't be if they, they'd look at it and say, "This, what's the big deal?" Is the way I'd see it. You know, the kids would say, "Oh, cool, look at these three D graphics." Someone with the condition would look at it and say, "What are you talking about? This doesn't look very exciting. Nothing's jumping out at me." Well, yeah, but the the point is, if somebody's not, if somebody's used to seeing the world with this problem in the first place, they're not going to see that there's. They're going to look at it, and they're going to assume that what they're seeing is what the other person is seeing. Right. It's just like the same problem with colorblindness. Yeah. If you're colorblind for long enough, when you're seeing what you're seeing for red is green, but as far as you know, everybody else sees green too. Well, but in this case, their friends are bragging about how cool these 3D effects are, and they look at it, and they're trying to figure out what's the big deal. That would tell you something. So um, whether or not they directly are realizing that, there is the possibility of you catching stuff like that by you know them realizing there's something different, and that that would be something different. So, you know, if if you're watching something 3D and you you say, "Wow, look at that jumping out!" Someone else is looking at it like, "I don't see it. What are you talking about? That doesn't look that impressive." You whether or not the other person realizes they're seeing it wrong, someone listening in or the friend you say, "Hey, maybe there's something wrong with it." So yeah. I, I can understand the logic behind saying, "Hey, you know, this thing could help people realize they have problems." You know what though, I. I... I don't know. They gave some. They gave some clues. You know, here's what to look for if your child can't see the 3D effects. Well, if they already have this condition, yeah, that's probably not going to happen so well. If for some reason the eyes get tired while doing this, and then they point out, but you know, we really don't actually know a whole lot about how these effects work in the eye, and we still have a, a lot to learn right. about what the long-term effects from this might be. So there still needs to be a lot of study done. So on right. the other hand, they're saying, hey, look, there's a potential for this. Which perhaps there is, but I I think that they don't have any um, documentation to say to back that up. Oh, yeah. And also, Nintendo doesn't have any documentation to say that children under six shouldn't look at these things. They're just being extra cautious, which right. is fine. They're 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 you know covering their own ass, and I appreciate that in some ways. Um, but I, you're not going to stop kids under six from using these things. Right. So we really need to find out if there is a problem and, and quickly. But the problem is and that maybe, it could take years to do these studies. Maybe optometrists want kids under six to use it and get eye strain so they sell more glasses. Well, there's been, studies, there's been studies done saying that watching too much TV and stuff actually doesn't screw up the eyes. Yeah, we know but it's masturbation. <laughs> and it do something like this. I, I don't think it's going to cause that big of a problem, especially if the parents are being responsible, making sure the kids are not overly obsessed with it. So, Brian, as a two-shave-a-day palm man, how do you feel about that? Uh, let me adjust my glasses. <laughs> Told you I'm a werewolf. Damn you. <laughs> I can't 
Everybody's not going to make fun of. That could explain the that could explain the Team Jacob shirt. All right, okay, new wait. Bible draws critics of general neutral language. Oh yeah. What is okay, this? So, oh, what's more, so just how perfect the Word of God is. Someone has decided they to um, rewrite it yet again. This time, however, they're trying to make it more general neutral. Reading through the article, what I loved was there were areas where the original word was general neutral, but then it was switched over to he. And in some ways, they're actually going back the way it originally was written. Yet you have people who are upset over this because it's a change to the way they've um, always been taught. And if I can find that one quote here, it was uh, one of these perfect quotes. Uh, was it? One of the guys who had a problem with it. And it had to do with, you know, this is the word of God as translator or something like that. And it was like, okay, oh, what was it? Well, you know, this is a perversion of the true word of God as translated through generations of jealous patriarchs. And that was basically what it said. Here's the thing that we need to, what we need to remember here is that, that the woman is supposed to be under the man's foot at all times. So creating a general neutral Bible kind of abolishes what the true intention of the Bible was, and that was to make the woman you know, basically put in her place. So you, you can't really, it's just a bad idea. Well, that's what some of the people are actually more or less say. Well, that's you what know, it says right here. Before the new translation even hit stores, it drew opposition from the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, an organization manhood that first, believes apparently. women should submit to their husbands in the room or in the home. In the home, and only men can hold leadership roles in the church. There we go. Okay. Excellent. Well, I believe that women should submit to their to their men in the households if you know if both of the couple are into that, <laughs> or it can be reversed also. Yeah, there could be some leather or vinyl involved. Well, what Bible do you normally read? The bartending Bible. The bartending. I mean, do you do you like the NBS or do you like the New American Standard Edition, or or do you just go straight back and go with the uh, King James? And crickets. Okay. <laughs> Here's the quote I was looking for. I was okay. given a Thomas Jefferson Bible at one point. Well, that you know, that's an that's an interesting Bible that we could have a whole yeah, other discussion what on. I'd like to read. Okay, here's the quote I was talking about. Randy Stinson, president of the CBMW and dean of the School of Church Ministries at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, said the changes are especially important to evangel- evangelicals. Evangelicals. Evangelicals believe in the verbal plenary, plenary. <laughs> inspiration of Scripture. We believe every word is inspired by God, but not just the broad thought. So the original text reads brothers, even if that word in the original language is known to be brothers and sisters, evangelicals believe the English translation should read brothers. Okay, so the English translation of it was God's original intent? That's almost what they're saying here, is, you know, the, the Word of God is the, is the English translation we've been dealing with all this time, not what the actual words mean in the original. You know, this is, I don't care whether the Bible is gender neutral or not, but I, I'm starting to care that it should not be gender, that it should be gender neutral now, yeah. just because these people are so small of thought. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things. You know, it's like, and like I said, some of this is getting more accurate to the way it was originally written. 
which is, you know, supposedly the word of God's important the way he gave it to you. And we know the translations have changed. We know there's a bunch of different translations out there because the words have, you know, the, the original words don't quite have a meaning we can translate it to accurately. So we do what we can to make it fit. And so, you know, when they really get into how you have to follow the, you know, and you say, you know, the original text, it's like the original text of your translation. So, yeah, there is, to actually be protesting this so strongly, it definitely shows a um, issue of not having much in the way of original thought. You know, you're so closed-minded, so caught up in your own little world. Well, they're caught up in a patriarchal way of thinking, and they are basically treating their women as accessories. Oh, yeah. You know, for me, this is a non-issue, not my book. Let the, I mean, let them right. figure it out. And here's the other thing is that there are so many different copies of the Bible that you can that you can choose from that choose the one you like. You know, go get the Jewish study Bible. Go get, you know, whatever Bible you want and, and go ahead and go with it. If you want the general neutral Bible, go ahead. If you want the one where every animal is changed to the pig so you have the pig of God, go get it. So I, I, I really I don't, don't care. In one of Neil Gaiman's books, he wrote about um, – Various Bibles with typos in them, and some of the ones he mentioned were real, and some of the ones were. Um, You're talking up. about Good Omens. Yes, Good Omens. Neil Gaiman uh, and Terry Pratchett. Yeah. The uh, the unrighteous Bible. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall inherit the earth? But so, some of the ones they mentioned in there are real. There, there are actual Bibles with those typos in them. I still love the one. I'm pretty sure that the one that he was talking about, the the main one he was talking about, was uh, fictional. But the the bugger all this Bible, which had the uh, the special inserts in there, where the where the typesetter had uh, had in, had written part of the the verse and then said added bugger all this for a lark. Any man with good sense would be out on a day such as this. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I'm more concerned if, if they can produce a Q document or not. That's what I want. You know what the Q document is? What's the Q document? Uh, there, there's your homework. <laughs> when when you look at the Bible, the the first three that the, the Q uh, continuum is beyond record keeping. It, well, that's exactly part of the problem, right? You know, because you have uh, you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and so when they're talking about the um, uh, Mark and priority and Ringo, and yeah, Paul. when when you're talking about that, you know, they they start talking about the. Um, Mark priority. It shows that Mark came first and the other two were written afterwards, where they're all supposed to be written at the same time. Right? But when you start looking at the language and what's in each of the documents, you go, wait a second. They all have everything that's in this one. And then these two look like they might have been written parallel. You know, and then they say, and the, but then the excuse is, well, they use stuff from the Q document that Mark didn't. So it's like, what? Ah, go away. Okay. I think that's how it works. Somebody who's more Bible scholarly than me can correct me if I'm wrong, and I would, you know, absolutely encourage it. Okay, on to Peter Popoff. Oh, Peter Popoff! Don't we love Peter Popoff? You do? You, uh, do we know who Peter Popoff is? Peter Popoff. Like I'm sorry. What's that? He sounds like a breakfast cereal. He does kind of sound like a breakfast cereal, and unfortunately, he's a he's a faith healer, <clears throat> and he's he's one uh, of the. He claims to be a faith healer. Oh uh, well. I mean, just because nobody's proved it. Anyway, so Popoff has a reputation for saying that, you know, God is going to kill him if he doesn't raise um, $8 million, I think it was. I think he did that a couple times, and he, he must what, have raised hold it. Hold on a second, then. Did he do this first, or was that— uh, This is stuff he's Billy done. Graham, Billy Graham did that multiple times, too. Um, You know, I don't know who the first one was. Uh, uh, Popoff has done that several times. 
Uh, see, now I have to refresh myself. I put this article in uh, two weeks ago. So, anyway, so... Okay, that's right. Okay, I'm sorry. So, in this article, now Popoff is basically going beyond curing people of, you know, their their ailments. And now he can also clear away your debt with his with his healings. So, so somehow God is going to take your debt away from you. This coming from a man who already has declared bankruptcy. Well, clearly he's using God to take away his debt. Or the U.S. System. Yeah, I guess I guess the argument here is that well, he could do it for other people, but he can't he can't do it for himself. You know, because God is working through him, not on him, right? I, I guess you could uh, use that pleading, right? So that, anyway, sounds, that sounds like a special pleading. Yeah. So I I, I I I had had more to say when I put this in here, but basically it's just I I think faith healing's absurd on the surface of it. Anyway, it's one of those things I'm. That, that hits my hot button. And then to see him go beyond that and say, hey, now, I mean, because it's like now he has to, he's up in the ante, right? He's got it, he, because he's been out of the limelight for so long, I don't think he's even on TV anymore. So it's these kinds of things that get him media attention. Well, if you look at it, though, debt is one of the big, big issues that people have now. I mean, there are so many people in debt, and there are so many people in debt so far that they will never pull themselves out by themselves. That he's appealing to, he's appealing to just another form of human weakness. He, you know, he's appealed. He appealed in the first place to people who wouldn't be able to physically get well without his intervention. Now he's appealing to people who won't be able to get free of their debt without his intervention. This is interesting. He said that the guy who wrote the article was not a fan. Uh, supernatural debt cancellation or uh, or debt cancellation. So supernatural debt con- cancellation or debt cancellation is just hogwash. There is no spiritual or biblical or no spiritual justification or biblical justica- justification for any of the of these things uh, of things that they do. Okay. Well, it looks like pop if pop off his plant is. Uh, it looks like he's actually offering a, dar- a guarantee though. Double your IQ or no money back? Yeah, really. It was funny. This this is the same guy who had his own church ransacked. Um, to, they they were supposed to be sending Bibles over to um, to Russia, and he's and so he's collecting all this money to do this right. And they were gonna, I guess, put him on balloons and balloon him over. I, I don't know where the heck they were supposed to drop. But instead of sending them, he he has some people in his organization break in. And uh, what's funny about it, though, is that they couldn't get the window to break from the outside because they had just recently had it had it uh, changed out for some reason. So it had so it was one of the security windows, so they couldn't break it out. So one of them goes inside, busts it out, so all the glass is on the outside when they finally broke it. Uh-huh. So so in so then the next day, you know, Popoff is you know telling everybody all the glass. I mean, all the evidence is there, right? That this is an inside job. Um, and the other thing that's interesting is that all the Bibles got hosed, but yet none of the equipment that was the printing presses and stuff like that was damaged in any way. So these vandals just wanted to get the Bibles, nothing else. And so Popoff is, is like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to you're going to give money to Jesus. You're going to you probably have some uh, some money in your savings or you, you've been planning a trip or you, you have a piece of property. You're going to you're going to give that money to Jesus and it's going to come back to you tenfold. And I'm right here. I'm going to give five hundred dollars. 
Later on, it was, I'm going to give $100. It kind of went down as, as he went on. And who knows whether he ever gave that money. But it, it's just, it, it, he is, it's one stunt after another with Popoff. Uh, the, the thing with the break-in sounds almost like an insurance scam. It was, well, yeah, it, I, I, I don't know if he was, you know, I, I, that, it was in Jane Verandy's Faith Healers that I was reading about this. And I, I don't know, um, you know, if the insurance paid out on it or not. I, uh, it didn't matter because he collected so much money, you know. And this is after, you know, James Randy had already exposed him on the Johnny Carson show. Well, that's the thing. How many times does he need to get caught before people start saying, hey, wait a moment? Well, there's an Maybe excellent question. To this guy. You know, how long well, are you going to let these people get the away with The beauty of it is he's a preacher and he keeps getting forgiven by God and starting all over. That's yeah. what it sounds like. It does. It does sound like that for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy, I, I find this guy bothers him. All right, moving on. Unless you want me to continue ranting about him, found another exorcism. No, we've pop off forever. I know that. Our our <laughs> our biweekly exorcism. Our biweekly exorcism. This week, it's a Palestinian woman dies during exorcism. She was already being treated for psychological problems when she returned to her family home to live. When things got worse, so so she so she, her, her problems were escalating. She believed that she was possessed by an evil spirit. And apparently, you know, and the wording on this is is weird because um, they say that there was bruises on her face, but then they say as it if is as if this could have anything in relation. There were scars on her feet. Well, you you, you this scars have to be old to scar in general. So why is it in here? The bruises, uh, I understand. Scars on the feet, maybe it indicates you know past well, history or something. Been, I don't know. How long have she been doing these sessions? Well, that's that, a good question. Say. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I don't know. You know, she, but she was clearly uh, mentally ill. But I mean, but she had to have help. You know, somebody believed that she was possessed and uh, helped her out. So. Now, I don't know if anyone else finds this scary, but the fact that we can find one of these things for each podcast. Well, and that's my intention. Yeah, <laughs> is right. Still, you find these are happening. It's not like this is old news or anything. It's like this stuff is happening. We'll find at least one incident every two weeks. Of this, this is incident. from today's news. Yeah, yeah. So to me, that's a bit scary because that you know, if we're finding one every two weeks of reported, of documented, how much is really going on here? Well, and that's that's what I'm wondering, and so I'm trying to follow them as closely as possible, and right. I'm a little bit behind because I think that I remember that there was another exorcism that I read about. Right. Uh, Mom accuses yeah. uh, accused of killing daughter in exorcism. Here's another. Here's another child killed. A three year old child killed during exorcism. Um, so, so here's two for this week. I'll stick this one here later. Uh, Massachusetts mom accused, accused of killing daughter in exorcism. And because it happened in the States, we've got a lot more information. So I, I'll stick this in here too. I mean, my, my point in, in doing this is that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to track these throughout the year. And I, and I, I, my intention is to have at least one per podcast. And I, and I imagine if I look hard enough, I'll find two or three per podcast. And I'm just trying to, to, and to, like Ian said, is, you know, these things are happening right now. So, and so I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm just watching them for me personally, and I'm sticking them in the podcast, you know, because I think it's disgusting. It is disgusting. So there you have it. Now we have, this one is in, in the United States, a Massachusetts mother, Massachusetts mother accused of killing daughter in exorcism. I'm I, contagious. I know. And unfortunately, I did not read this prior, 
But I imagine if I look back even further, I imagine I'll find another one too. Because there seems to be no lack of them. So, all right. Let's talk about Castle Law. Mac? Let's what, talk what is, about Castle Law. What, what the heck is Castle Law? Castle Laws come from English common law. Ooh. And essentially, it's the belief that a person's home is their castle and that they have a right to absolute safety within their home. 31 states have different variations of what are known as castle laws or castle doctrines. Um, the states that have castle laws, let's see, um, the ones that have what is known as a stand-your-ground law, which indicates that you have no duty to retreat no matter where an attack takes place on you. Uh, duty to retreat says that if you have the ability to retreat from an attacker, you must retreat. But if you have a stand-your-ground law, you don't have to do that. You you basically make your stand where you're at, and you can meet force with force. Uh, the, the states with stand-your-ground law are Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Montana, Nevada, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and Washington. In fact, um, one of my co-workers works in, lives in Georgia, and she had a bit of information about a suburb outside of Atlanta called Kennesaw. In Kennesaw, every citizen is required to keep a firearm in good repair in their home and to be skilled in its use. They have an incredibly low crime rate, particularly with with respect to home invasions. Okay, I'm gonna, uh, you know, that that's that's an interesting correlation, but I don't think that they've ever proved causation. And they say the no, same I'm thing here in Denver. You know that 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 by having the concealed weapons law, that crime has gone down. And so it's like, well, well okay, that it's it's interesting, but I, more study should be done there before before yeah. people are. Well, in Michael Moore's movie off. Voting for Columbine, he goes up to Canada where. They leave the doors unlocked all the time, and you know not, not every one of them have guns, and yet their crime rate is there. That's bullshit. So, they're, they're not everybody up there in well, yeah. in Vancouver so, is doing that. And I'll bet you right, could but, find towns here in the United States that do the same thing. Right. You know, don't Michael Moore me. I, well, no, I, I I had a lot of problems with that movie, but still, the, um, you know, we, I, I'm saying that, that you know, does that itself prove that you know? Guns, no, that went the opposite and said that, well, they don't all have guns and they feel safer. Well, so, right. anyway, um, I, I, okay, I understand a, your point there that, you know, that, the, that either we, we have guns or we don't. But in England, how many people have been killed at soccer games? Throw some Bill Hicks in there. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some the of them brought soccer balls. Law are Alaska, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Kansas, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts. Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Nevada, New Jersey, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, Rhode Island, Utah, and West Virginia. And Wyoming, sorry. And um, Colorado's Castle Law, which is also known as the Make My Day Law, after the famous statement by Harry Callahan in, I believe it was, uh, that was one of the Dirty Harry movies. I think it was, uh, I'm thinking that it was... You know what? I don't know which one it was. And I'm it, not going to worry okay. about it right now. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, sudden impact. Any occupied, uh, any occupant of a dwelling is justified in using any degree of physical force, including deadly physical force, against another person when that other person has made an unlawful entry into the dwelling, and when the occupant has a reasonable belief that such other person has committed a crime in the dwelling, in addition to the uninvited entry, 
or is committing or intends to commit a crime against the person or property in addition to the uninvited entry, and when the occupant reasonably believes that such other person might use any physical force, no matter how slight, against any occupant. Right. So now this is interesting because I just recently took um, my concealed weapons permit course. And so we, so this is one of the things that we talked about. And the gentleman who teaches it used to be a police officer. And uh, I think he works for uh, um, security for Denver Public Schools. And he says, if somebody enters your house and, you know, and they're going to go steal your Wii, he says, I'm probably not going to shoot him, but I could. And which I thought was interesting. But he, and, and, he, and so it's like, it's, it, that's all it is. Any other crime, if they're going to steal something, an ashtray. You 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 can use deadly force, and you can continue to fire until that person is no longer a threat. Wow. Right. Yeah, but yeah, shoot the guy with the, the about to steal something that could get you in trouble for a crime as well. Well, but he's in. No, no, he's in your house. He's but he's no, in you your were dwelling. He stole your pot. No, I think he said weed, didn't he? Weed. Weed. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I thought he said weed. Yeah. No. Okay. Stealing your weed. Yes. Yeah. So, but. I, so, so that I mean, I thought, I thought, in some ways that that seems extreme, you know. So, so there's still a certain amount of judgment that you should use. But the one thing I asked him, I said, "Well, that doesn't keep you from getting sued, does it?" He says, "Oh no." He says, "There is a lawyer attached to every bullet that comes out of your out of your gun." So now, see, it's interesting you should say that because according to the statute, it does actually say that you are immune to both criminal prosecution and civil prosecution. Yeah, it means that you'll probably win. It doesn't mean that they can't keep you in courts and cost you a lot of money. Section, uh, yeah, subsection four, any occupant of a dwelling using physical force, including deadly physical force, in accordance with the provisions of subsection two of this section, shall be immune from any civil liability for injuries or death resulting from the use of such force. I also went and did a little research. I talked to the Lakewood, a Lakewood police officer to see what his input on this was. And at first, he didn't really want to talk about it. He said there was no such law, which I asked a couple of intelligent questions, though, and he kind of loosened up at that point. And he he had said that he'd never seen the Make My Day law used, and he'd never seen it abused in his 11 years as a Lakewood police officer. He'd he'd neither seen it used nor abused in that time period. Um, He did also say, though, when I asked about civil penalties, he said that even if he himself had a shooting and were cleared by the DA, that he could still be sued in, in civil court and have to face charges in civil court and possibly have to face a wrongful death suit or an injury suit. Right, and that's and, but and that's and that is a different piece of legislation that covers that because that's not castle law because it's not a dwelling. So there's no. laws, you know, um, in use of physical uh, use of physical force, special relation. Uh, I think this is the one, you know, that basically, um, basically. I mean, you have the right to go to the aid of a third party. Um, in a lot of these laws, you do have the right to go to the aid of a third party. Correct. Right, but and that's not castle particularly, law. Particularly, particularly in the stand your ground laws, you have right. the right. To yeah. go to the aid of a third party, and that's probably different. I mean, that 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 law is a little bit different. Uh, here in Colorado, we don't quite have the same kind of law, but if somebody is threatening you, uh, you 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 have the right to use force against them in this state. Correct. Um, the other thing that was interesting in my conversation with him, he suggested that I look up a case with a burglar who broke into a house, entered the garage, and got locked in the garage and didn't have a way out of the garage. And was forced to subsist on dog food and Pepsi until the, until the family got back from vacation. The burglars sued the family and won. But according to the research that I did, that looks to be a myth. 
Really? So, yeah, that appears to be a myth, a mythical case. There was another case that I did not get a chance to find that my wife referenced that was about a former police officer that shot an intruder in his house and was charged with it. And part of the thing was that the former police officer appears to have shot the, the intruder in the back. But I need to find out about that case, and I'll bring that up in a later later episode. Is Kessel is eighteen dash one dash seven oh six Colorado Revised Statutes? Eighteen dash one dash seven oh four. Seven oh four and seven oh four point five. Okay, and you know there, there's there's a uh, what I I got some of this stuff at uh, Mitchy dot com. Sorry. Away from the microphone, that's terrible of me. I got some of the stuff at Mitchie.com. and so this stuff is all available online for the for the different uh, the different revised statutes for each state are there. In fact, the Wikipedia entry that I put in there actually points out uh, points you toward the laws for each state, and is a great a great resource on that. So if you want to find out what your state's particular laws are, go to the Wikipedia entry if you want to, and it'll direct you to the link. All right, Kessel is interesting. Uh, and I, I'm glad that it hasn't been abused because in some ways to me it seems extreme. I did find an article in here uh, that I connected to this about the use of deadly force for lawful self-defense. And this is by um, this is from the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. But basically what they put in there was that a license to carry a concealed weapon is not a license to use it. And they included the types of weapons that are included in the concealed ca- the concealed weapons law. But uh, anyway, yeah. that was kind of interesting in there too. But the the thing that sticks to me sticks with me on the stand your ground laws is that any place where you have a legal right to be and you are attacked, or any place where you have a, a reasonable right to be and you're attacked there, you have the right to defend yourself by whatever means you are necessary. See, and in Colorado, they talk about. Being innocent of the situation, so you, so in other words, as long as you haven't provoked anybody, you you're covered. But if you're if you right. are if you are provoking the situation, uh, you're no longer innocent of the situation, and you probably can be charged. The other uh, other interesting piece of information from the Lakewood officer was that he was very clear on the fact that you have the right to defend yourself up to the point where the attack is no longer a danger. So if right. the person loses consciousness, you do not have to, you you can't continue to attack that person. You can't continue wailing on them after they've lost consciousness because they're no longer a threat. If their arms and their legs are broken and they can't come after you outside of a Monty Python movie, they're probably no longer a threat. Right. Or if they leave the situation. If they turn around and walk the other way, they they've left the situation. Yep. Yep. But in that case, they're still a threat because they know what your house looks like. Uh-huh. Got to kill them. All right. So, Ian. <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's move on. Ian, did, right. they, did they actually find Atlantis? No, but, um, okay, the first link I have here is to the Atlantean Conspiracy main site. Excellent. But right under it, I have their, if, if you were to do a search on their site for HARP, H-A-A-R-P. Now, I ran across the, um, this is what started the other links I have following this. Um, I ran across their all their stuff. A lot of videos. I haven't watched them all because most of them are like 40 minutes long. But uh, um, basically, the harp stuff is claiming that um, the recent earthquake and tsunami in Japan were man-made. 
and specifically made to target Japan to teach them a lesson. Oh, my God. Wait, so, how, wait, wait, hold I, on. How does that go back to the Atlantean, Atlantean conspiracy? That's the name of the blog site that has it. Okay. Because the, there was oh, because there was something in the news here about about some people who once again thought that they had found Atlantis. So that's what I thought maybe this was. No. Okay. The, the Atlantean Conspiracy is a blog site that basically hits on every single one of these um, conspiracy theory things. Okay. So I saw that, and I saw HARP, and I decided to look up what HARP was. And so the next link is the HARP general information, which is um, explaining the basic of what HARP is, and giving um, the more scientific kind of bland detail. But uh, basically, it is an observatory that um, is set up to do research on the ionosphere to look at um, weather patterns, stuff uh, long-term variations in the ozone layer, stuff like that. And, you know, according to the official site, it's all scientific study, you know. But according to the conspiracy theorist, it is a weapon of mass destruction, which is the next link. Uh, Harp, Washington's new world order weapon. According to these people, um, they've had government, um, former government employees come forward and say that um, Harp is a weapon of mass destruction. It is basically what they can. It uh, was part, part, leftover part of the Star Wars Strategic Defense Initiative, and what it does is you can somehow send magnetic fields into the ionosphere and cause all sorts of different climate wherever you went around the world, and redirect it. You can cause earthquakes and hurricanes and every kind of man-made disaster, or not man-made, or every kind of stuff we thought was nature-made is actually man-made. Is how I should say it. Okay. <laughs> so. No, apparently Mother Nature does nothing anymore. You know, Haiti, everything, you know, everything is being done by these people. Well, Haiti was caused by the devil. That's according to the religious type. According to the conspiracy theories, I, I think I have seen stuff that says um, it was the same type of thing. You know, the, the, it's the new world order. They're trying to get control of it all by <sighs> basically using nature as their um, c- cover to destroy nations. <laughs> and secondly... We used a weapon against uh, America's number one, two enemies, Haiti and Japan. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Ooh, they're dangerous. You know, I think in a fight between Rhode Island and Haiti, Rhode Island could take Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> there are probably more guns. <laughs> um, you know, secondly, on this on the Japanese tsunami, this is really kind of offensive considering the the huge the huge loss of life and. The damage to Japan's infrastructure. It's offensive for this person to take this conspiracy theory nonsense and just spread it all over, when everybody knows that the Japan earthquake and tsunami was actually caused by giant monsters fighting. Oh boy! But, you know, but if you look through the site, they have all sorts of graphs that show that Harp was more active um, right before the um, earthquake hit, and all this other stuff that. You know, apparently the New World Order can pretty much wipe anything out if they wish, so desire, just by aiming the harp at um, different areas of the planet. I'd say that's a good reason to join the New World Order, personally. Was it predicted by the Global Consciousness Project? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if someone made that connection somewhere. I did. <laughs> I, I, I've always just loved how all these conspiracy theories interlink in all sorts of weird ways. It's like... Wow. Yeah, actually, said, yeah. The Global Consciousness Project is a, a random number generator that they claim that when these kinds of incidents happen, that they, they get some sort of a measurable effect in these random number generators, and they're collecting all this data. It's 
Isn't there a Nick Cage movie about that? Oh, there might be. I don't know. Well, that was a stupid movie. I know the one you're talking about. That was Knowing, right? Or 2012? Yeah. No, 2012 was John Cusack. Never mind. Oh. I think it was knowing. That was just a bad. That one. Bad, oh, bad man. Movie. 2012. It's I funny to see how many people say, well, the movie's out. Yeah, have you watched that piece of trash? Come I haven't on. watched that one yet. But... Wait. Ugh. See, the thing of it is, the Mayans predicted the 2012 disaster, but what they predicted was the release of the movie 2012, which was a disaster. And then that was over <laughs> the other day when we were watching Signs. Yeah, that was bad. What, are, are you we trying to... That Things no. we learned from watching this oh, movie. Man. If you are an alien with a severe sensitivity to H2O as a compound, please, please, while invading, wear a waterproof suit. Put on some clothes. <laughs> You know, we were ripping that one apart. You can ask Mac. I was yeah, really that one going was off. <laughs> I couldn't take that one seriously at all. Uh, all right. Hey, so I, I want to mention this because I thought this is what you were going to talk about. Uh, tsunami buried Lost City, Atlantis may be found. So they're claiming that uh, that Atlantis may be in the in southern Spain, and it says Atlantis, the fabled lost city mentioned since antiquity. Well, wait, it's mentioned since Socrates made it up, but uh, okay, antiquity, whatever. Socrates is antiquated. He is kind of antiquated, isn't he? Okay. Uh, may have been recently uh, found recently, according to research by Spain, America, and Canadian scientists. Now, I, I don't know what they found, but it's doubtful that, you know, we're, we're going to find... You know. Well, along that area, they found many old cities that have sunk. Well, sure. They, there was flooding and all sorts of stuff happening. They've yet to find some big, huge, massive city, you know, island city that had all sorts of weird technology. They keep finding old ruins. Okay. Right, okay, but, they probably found again. but to prove it's Atlantis, to me, they're going to have to find, oh, it says Plato. Was it Socrates or Plato? I thought it was Socrates. Plato described description oh, of Atlantis. Socrates What's, doing this stuff. I'm sorry, was it Socrates? It would be Plato. It was Plato. I'm sorry. Yeah. My mistake. It was Plato. Okay. But Plato was not Plato reported stuff that he had heard from years before. So he made I don't it know up. whether he made it up or whether he's just reporting something that somebody else might have exaggerated. He he used it as a way to get a point across. That's all he was doing. Anyway, I thought Atlantis was actually in the Pegasus Galaxy. <laughs> so for it to be Atlantis, they're going to have to find advanced technology. They're going to have to find a robot, right? Right. You know, I mean... Uh, Something more than just a ruined city. Yeah, exactly. You know, for it to be the fabled city of Atlantis. Mentioned, you know, since antiquities. At the very least, they've got to find a Stargate. Yeah, anyway, so I, I, I haven't read this complete article, but it, 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 it's interesting, but I mean... Well, these claims have been made before. Like I said, well, they keep finding, they just find ruins of a city in the seas, and that's not that unexpected. Right, know? and I will I will go out on a limb here and say that probably the scientists aren't calling it Atlantis. Somebody else is. Probably. Right. All right. Well, let's see. The link you sent us was from the Epic Times. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really getting the sense that that's a real strong scientific journal. So... We are we we're we're already dogging this without reading the article. I admit. Okay, uh, the article does say the researchers researchers hope to be able to match geological formations from Plato's descriptions of Atlantis and date unearthed artifacts to the time of, of the lost city. So it sounds like it's the researchers who say it's Atlantis. All right. Okay, I'm wrong. Would researchers though? 
ones from uh, from the dig. Spain, America, and Canada, including archaeologist Richard Freund of the University of Hartford in Connecticut. All right. Well, okay. I won't. I won't. Uh, I. I'll say no more because clearly, I mean, it's something that I want to look into a little bit more, and and uh, I'm. I must be. I'm wrong. So there you go. But wasn't isn't the fable that it's an advanced city? Right. So if, if, I think what it I, was what supposed I, to be, per Plato's description, they were supposed to be advanced, but mainly they were supposed to be advanced in terms of their culture and how they treated their fellow beings, and. Even his descriptions of them being advanced in that respect was merely advanced for his time. Well, okay, and I don't but, think you'll find anything overly impressive there. But that's that's provable, right? Yeah, I don't. So, I've heard a lot to say that that people think that Atlantis was actually um, their remains of a city off of Crete that they believe may have been the civilization it was based on. Yeah, that, that's the one I've heard. So to move it up to Spain, I've so, heard it thrown about as being. The Minoans, I've heard it as being in many different places, but Spain has never been a location that I've heard of. All right. Are we done with this? I'm done. I think we're done. We got anything else? Not that I think of. I think we're done. I think so, too. Another one in the can. That's right. Well, thanks, guys, for joining me. From my fortified bunker. I'm sure it was educational for somebody. (laughs) Hopefully. Thank you for listening to the amateur skeptic 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 Holy moly! Bazinga! Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to mindspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under Creative Commons, no derivatives, 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyrighted Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. Please do not attempt to alter or commercially distribute without written permission.